welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is blake daily from multifamily journey welcome blake rama thanks for having me sure thank you very much a little bit about blake blake still full time active duty but by hustling over the last year he and his wife has acquired 117 units a mix of residential multifamily commercial multifamily and commercial short term rentals which he affectionately call uh, bur bnbs and have more than replaced his activity income so with that blake you want to add anything No, I think that's a pretty good uh recap of the past year, you know, started out uh the year uh, under contract on an apartment complex and closed that and uh pretty quickly got into, you know, made a little pivot and started buying older rundown mom and pop uh, motels and uh but they're in really good locations, had a lot of potential, so we're in the in the midst of converting those bad boys into boutique hotels and, you know, using it the the Airbnb strategy, so really making them like boutique Airbnb rentals. Got it, and thank you, thank you for sharing that. So, would you share your thought process for getting into real estate and multifamily space? Also, what is the reason? Yeah, my reason is, you know, I think very similar to to a lot of other people that get in this space. I started out in single family, and it was it was very active. You know, I had several properties in different you know places all around Panama City and Florida, where where I'm at. And you know, when I started out, it was all me. You know, it was, it was Blake and Nicole. That's my wife, and we would be you know the property managers, the doing everything, running around, and just became very inefficient, not using my time very well. Um, and that was really before I was kind of focused on on building the. the systems and the team to be more efficient but that led me into the multifamily space to have more economies of scale and efficiency you know on a portfolio level of you know having a lot of units located in in one building or one complex so got into that and yeah it took me took me 10 months but finally got the first deal and um keeping the momentum going now got it cool cool and you are doing deals using brrr method and share me a little bit more about brrr method Yeah, so the BRRR strategy stands for it's an acronym. It stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance and repeat. So that's where I got my start on hurricane damaged homes down here in Florida and would buy them, you know, off market so getting a good price at buy them at a discount where we could, you know, do the large renovations on them that it required because they were hurricane damage, you know, roofs were caved in, mold everywhere. Uh, so we'd go in and, and do full remodels, and then get them rented, put a tenant in there, refinance it, and then get all that capital back from you know just doing that rehab, and then taking that same capital into the next deal. So the repeat strategy has been a really important one, really the most important one. That's where you get the velocity of money and the the real growth you see. So I love the burst strategy, and also at that same time was experiencing the power of short term rentals with Airbnb. So had a attached. guest suite, mother-in-law suite, whatever you want to call it in our house, our first house that we bought with the VA loan. So got in with zero down and was able to actually cash flow with that by renting that extra unit on Airbnb. And I started looking at 
other deals and analyzing, analyzing them and saying, you know, if it doesn't do that well, or as well as I want it to as a long-term rental, what would it look like as a short-term rental? So ended up getting another property that was just a few blocks away. So we, we really had the perfect comp because it was a main house and a guest house too. And this one had a pool in the middle. So, you know, people come down to visit Florida, they want to be outside, you know, go to the beach or, and then come back and jump in the pool. So this was a, a really good performer for us. And we just kept compounding that strategy. We did another Burr BNB kind of the, the strategy, put the name to it and just combining the Burr strategy with short-term rentals. That's where the BNB comes from, like Airbnb. Got it. And uh, did that on a, on a couple more properties. And by doing that, I was able to actually surpass my Air Force income. I'm an Air Force officer, contracting officer, and was able to surpass that income with my actual net cash flow from all my combined long-term rentals and short-term rentals that I've acquired through doing the birth strategy. And now that's really expanded into doing that with bigger commercial deals like these motels that we're now converting into boutique Burr B&Bs. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So would you share a little bit more about from time frame point of view and also renovation renovation budget and the renovate what level of renovations you implemented? Yeah. So when we purchased these properties, we knew that they they needed in some cases more than others, but a lot of renovations to get them to where we wanted them to be, whether it be, you know, giving a facelift on the exterior and then all the way to furnishing the insides and uh, of the units and making them look really good. So they've all been kind of various stages of the rehab needed. Uh, one of our, the biggest one I'm working on is a full, full gut rehab. It's really a redevelopment because it's a commercial property that we are taking from, it was, was kind of operated as just a you know rent by the day motel. So we did a full renovation on that. It was in really bad shape. And it's to the studs right now. And we're doing a, a full remodel. So it's going to be basically a brand new property that got the uh, personal or not a personal, but a uh, professional designer that's doing the, all eight units. And it's going to look really great when it's done. And now the other properties, they're at various stages. So one needed, you know, mostly carpet and paint and fixtures, and then, you know, get some new furnishings in there. And then our ones, our other ones in Panama City Beach, those are a little bit bigger rehabs. You know, we're doing things like plumbing and, and electrical and new fuse boxes and painting the outside and kind of, they've got pools. So we're cre- creating a cabana area outside kitchen, you know, entertainment space, picture like hanging lights and, you know, outdoor seating right by the pool. So it's all going to come together really nice and kind of be the focal point for um, the guests that are, you know, our, f- our future guests that are going to be hosting through Airbnb and those other online platforms. So renovations are definitely the, the biggest and most time consuming portion of this strategy, but that's kind of where my strength lied with, you know, you know, rehabbing the hurricane damaged homes. And then I'm a contracting officer in the Air Force. That's basically uh, the same thing I, I do in my Air Force job or similar enough. So that skill overlaps into the, the renovations that we're doing. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And would you share any challenging experiences with Bur Method? <laughs> oh man, where to start? <laughs> I think hiring hiring bad contractors is is a, a lesson that I've learned too many times now, and it all really comes back to really screening screening those guys, those contractors. You know, doing background checks. You know, checking their license numbers, make sure they're actually licensed contractors. Because we went through a, a pain with hiring a guy who didn't even have a GC license, and that was on me for not checking that. And then you know, just going through going through the renovations, making sure you meet timelines and schedules. It's a an active thing, right? And working a full-time job some kind, sometimes makes that 
portion of the job difficult, you know, on the investing side. But yeah, I think, you know, if you hire a good contractor, like the the contractor I have, he's the same contractor. He's got a, a large crew. So he's able to do both deals that we have in Panama City. And that has been, you know, very easy for me because he is really good at what he does as a contractor and then has, you know, professional crews and, you know, knows all the subs to come in and, and do like the plumbing and electrical and they're all good as well. So that has been very easy. And then contrast that with these other deals that I hired the wrong contractor up front, it really makes the rest of the process harder, especially when you have to fire a guy and bring in a new contractor that has to finish up the work that the last contractor did. So that part is definitely a pain in the butt. And you know, had I just hired the right guy up front, would have saved a lot of time and, and stress and money too. So that would be a big one. I would say anybody that's looking to go out and do big renovations or really any renovation at all, like spend your time hiring your contract. I kind of learning the hard way, hire slow and fire fast. Uh, so the lessons I learned on my Fort Walton Beach property, which has been a, a lengthy kind of drawn out rehab, definitely helped us with the, the Lake Tahoe property because we did fire fast there, but got to spend a little bit more time in the in the hiring stage. But I'd say outside of that, it's just a uh, normal kind of time management stuff, making sure you kind of create your day around the tasks that you need to get done. Got it. And thank you very much. Thanks for sharing that. So what process now you're using to find, you know, good contractors? Yeah. So now um, really spending a lot more time upfront to find those good contractors. I've literally had my virtual assistant create a spreadsheet with all of the general contractors in a town or in an area. We actually went out to a, a neighboring town in one instance, just to get a higher number of people to call. And then it was just literally picking up the phone and having those conversations with contractors, you know, seeing if they have the availability, have the time and have the expertise to do, you know, the projects that we're doing. Cause some, you know, some contractors will only do new builds and it, it takes the right contractor to do a redevelopment or a remodel at the scale we're doing it. And then from that point, once you identify the correct contractor, what got me in trouble the first time was not getting references and calling those references. So it's a two part. You got to get the references and then actually follow up with them and get on the phone with those references, with those references, see what that contractor did well, see maybe areas that they didn't do so well and kind of build, you know, take that data and kind of put it to your short list of contractors and find, you know, who has, you know, the skills, who has the, the availability and who has the references to back them up. And then once you kind of identify your, your one or two, definitely want to um, get their license and insurance information, um, whatever state you're in, you can go to, it varies by state, but you can go like, look up, do a contractor license search in your state because they have to be licensed with the state to be a licensed contractor. And you can put in their license number from what they send you and see if they have any, you know, open claims or anything against that license to make sure who you're hiring um, and what they say is actually true. So that would be a big one. And then just setting the expectations with them up front. So I think those would be the, the four biggest things in hiring the good contractor. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So you're doing BR methods and why are switching towards multifamily space and you closed one deal also. Would you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So we closed a, a apartment syndication in Greensboro in February. And that, like I said, that took 10 months of, you know, working at it like very dilig diligently, kind of like you were talking about before we started recording here, you know, calling the brokers, making those connections, sending in the LOIs, analyzing deals, talking to investors, like everything that goes into it. But what I found is I was doing in most cases, doing all of that myself. And I think multifamily and commercial real estate is definitely a team sport. Like no one person can, can, 
wear all the hats. And I was trying to, to do that in the beginning, mostly out of necessity or what I thought was necessity. But once I surrounded myself with the, with the right people who were going in the same direction and, you know, we aligned our goals together, that's when the progress started happening. Uh, that's how we closed the deal in February. The apartment syndication was by getting around the right people that are all after the same thing and had complementary skill sets. And I actually raised capital to close that deal. And then my other partners are doing the asset management and, you know, running the day to day. And then from there, you know, you, you talked about the, the Burr B&Bs. How do we go from syndicating apartments to that? Well, that came from really all, all the way back to last year was just seeing cap rates compress, seeing the, the multifamily market get more and more saturated, seeing what deals actually traded at. You know, you see the the advertised price and whatever that looks like, and then actually see what it traded at. And you're like, man, how is that investor ever going to make money? But then the market just kept going up. And it's like, in hindsight, it's 2020, right? If you would have bought something in, in 2020 or even 2019, what you thought was a, an overpriced deal. Now it's, you know, selling. Selling today potentially at what your year five the exit price might have looked like on your on your analysis sheet. So hindsight's always twenty twenty, but we just saw that the market was was really saturated returns on the deals that we were looking at, it was just not not a return metric that I was comfortable with, not something that I would want to bring investor capital in because I wouldn't want to put my own capital into a slim deal like that. You know, it really lowers your margin of error when you have a thin deal. And what I had known about the Airbnb properties is you have a lot more revenue, the margins are a lot higher. So therefore, you know, for um, somebody kind of getting into this for the first time, you have a little bit wider margin of error, right? You can make a mistake with a short-term rental and it not sink you because you might have one bad guest, but you still have, you know, three more coming in the next two weeks and can really kind of ride out, ride out those waves. And then on the getting into these bigger commercial deals, we had seen on the residential side, I have, you know, small multifamily that are short-term rentals and you know, both of those units would do really well and the property overall would return really well. So we looked at myself and, and the one I per personally purchased with private investors, saw an eight unit. And I was like, man, this eight unit for, for this price, you know, I could do a full remodel on this, do the burst strategy, you know, get all my money back and then a little cash flow, you know, close to, I mean, like five, six, seven, eight thousand a month on a, you know, purchase price of, you know, 350,000. So that's, that's really, really good numbers there. Then we started looking at these bigger pro projects with my partner and I, Jake, we've uh, closed three of these deals that are anywhere from 14 to 18 units in the last two months. We're converting these now. And the numbers, I mean, just look really great. Something that you're not going to see in the multifamily market. So that's why we made our pivot. We wanted to have higher returns. Yes. It's a little bit more active. Like the, the short-term rental game takes a little bit more out of you, but again, it's just a, a lesson in building your your systems, right? Building your team, hiring the right people to help manage all that. And that's what we're doing right now. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So would you share any of your breakthrough moments in real estate? I think a, a big breakthrough moment was when we kind of jumped into this strategy more gung-ho. And it was really my partner and I kind of both at the same time, noticing the strengths that we had and seeing the pivot opportunity to utilize those strengths on, on a bigger scale. So what I mean by that is I had the short-term rental experience. And at this point, we both had the, the multifamily experience because we actually did that syndication together. But I had you know owned and operated uh, Airbnb rentals for two years now. I have seven of them personally and had self-managed those at the beginning, eventually handed them off to property management so I could focus on other things, but really knew that inside and out from you know the operations for, to, the, to the guest management 
management to this, the, the software you use and really the whole, the whole deal there. And Jake and I, you know, both, and Jake's been in multifamily longer than I, and it has done more deals, but he's very, very good at the underwriting and the financial analysis and really finding finding the opportunities in deals. And with my management experience in, in the Airbnb and his in the in the multifamily space, and now that we both kind of had that commercial deal under our belt, took those two skill sets and that experience and kind of combined it with the commercial Airbnb route. And that's what we're doing now. So that was a big breakthrough. That's got us, you know, three deals now with probably a million plus in equity on each deal. And each one's going to be able to be refinanced out and get the initial capital back in about a year after purchasing all of them. So that was the big breakthrough is taking that, you know, past experience and looking for the, that pivot point that could get us that the returns that we were looking for. Got it. Thank you. So would you share your investment philosophy? My investment philosophy, I think loosely, I think it tracks around the birth strategy. So I'm, I'm a person that mainly like a cash flow investor, but I still want that equity growth as well. So when I look for deals, I want to look at something that I can be comfortable, you know, presenting to an investor because I'm like my own worst critic. If I'm not going to put my own, my own money into it, I'm not going to, you know, ask somebody else to put theirs into it. So what I like is to get cash flowing deals that we can force appreciation on. And then when we refinance, get that capital back. So sometimes that's a perfect birth meaning you get all your initial capital back. That's not always the case. You know, sometimes you might leave, you know, 50% or 30% or whatever equity in the deal, but I like to get most of my equity back so I can put it into the next deal. And that's how you build your portfolio. So I definitely look at my investment philosophy as the long-term growth oriented, but I want to see the results today. That's why I want the, the cash flow today and the equity growth down the line once we're able to force our appreciation and kind of complete the burst strategy. Great. Yeah. And would you share any of your best real estate investing experience so far? Best real estate investing experience so far. Man, I probably would say when, like last week, we just closed our, our third of the three Burbnb deals. And, uh, <laughs> but we we're under kind of so much pressure and stress with what we've been doing, building the company and, and running the whole operation now, this new business that we have. It was kind of just like, oh man, yeah, we closed another deal. <laughs> so I would say probably today, like the best personal experience was completing the Burbnb deal. It was a two unit residential property, had the main house with a guest house. And that was the one that when I completed the burr on that and started renting it out on Airbnb, that's the one that the cash flow, the combined cash flow of all my properties, that one got me over the hump of being higher than my W2 income and, you know, really kind of opened my eyes to what's possible with this Burbnb strategy. So that's really the deal that it was born on, even though I was doing it on a couple of deals before that. But it, I think that was the most monumental one for me because it kind of opened my eyes of, of what's possible and it's kind of led to everything we're doing today. So that was a pretty good good moment. Plus I like, I think when I refinance, I pulled out a good amount of cash and then that cash paid for remodeling or at, completely adding a bathroom in our current house. And now it's got like a soaking tub that my wife loves. So, <laughs> you know, happy wife, happy life. Got it. Yeah. So would you also share any of your challenging experience real estate? Yeah, I think, you know, challenging experiences outside of the, the more recent contractor challenges in the last year kind of talked to that. But I think overall, it would just be, you know, the persistence of sticking through it to, to get to this point. There's been a, a lot of long days, long nights, early mornings working without seeing results. And I just, I think it takes, you know, a big why to drive you through those points. You know, when you're having challenges, you know, you're making, you're making offers and not getting deals. You're, you're spending a lot of time analyzing 
talking with investors and brokers and, and not seeing the results that you want to see, that's a really challenging point, especially when it's months of that, right? You just have months of not getting anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you're persistent through that, it's going to seem like all of a sudden a deal happens, right? You get one under contract, you work towards it, you close it, and then you start operating it. And like, that is why you stick it out. So you never get to that point, right? You never become, you know, the success story and, and get to talk about, you know, what you've achieved if you can't make it through those challenging times. So I just think it would be those kind of dog days of investing that I don't think enough people talk about. You know, when you hear all the success stories, oftentimes, you know, it's not an overnight success. People don't just close deals overnight, you know, or over the weekend. It takes sometimes months. In my case, it was it was 10 months to get my first um, commercial multifamily deal. And that was 10 months actively working. So that was a really tough and frustrating time. But I think for anybody else going through that right now, or, you know, if you hear this in the future, like, no, it'll probably happen, right? You're going to have to make it through, through those tough times, you know, lean on, lean on those around you, try to find a team, lean on them and, and support each other and you guys can get through it. So that was, that was the big challenges for me. Got it. And thank you. That's great. And what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now? Excited about now, I think, man, really it's just getting these properties stabilized. We have, we start, we've begun to build a really great team. We've got some really great managers now that are really bought into the company. Our, our Jake and I's new company's Adventure Stay. So we've got, you know, great people so far on the bus, you know, as they say, and we're driving towards this vision of getting all these properties stabilized and really becoming staple properties for the area, something that guests want to, you know, come experience, right? Come experience our listings and, and have that, like we call it our company adventure stays for a reason. We want people to come experience that adventure when they stay in our properties. That's kind of the genesis of the name. So really excited to see these renovations continue and see the progress because I love turning, you know, an old ugly property into to something that you can be proud of owning. And we've already kind of begun to see that with our, our Lake Tahoe property through the challenges we've had there. And uh, with the rehabs going on in, in Florida, we're seeing it now here a little bit too. So really, really excited to see these things go, you know, full cycle renovations, complete capital returned. And these things are just, you know, churning out that short-term rental cash flow. So really looking forward to that in the, you know, coming six months or so. Cool. Yeah. So any one advice that have impact on you? Advice that had an impact on me. I would say build your team, build it early. Like multifamily is absolutely a team sport and there's parts of every deal that, you know, there's responsibilities to, to close a deal and run and manage a deal that have to be done, but they don't all have to be you. And thinking that you have to do every single thing is, is really kind of a crutch that holds you back because then you, you're building bridges in a lot of different directions and you never really get to your destination. Like build one skill that can bring value or maybe maybe two, right? If you're already naturally good at something like analyzing deals or talking to people and raising money, but get good at what your natural abilities are and just hone in on that and then find the team members that you can lean on and rely on and, and build the thing together because that's ultimately how you're going to get to a higher level of, of success. You can continue to buy, you know, single family homes and duplexes and that and kind of be that big fish in a small pond. But if you really want to reach the next level, you have to have to build your team and kind of get over the ego or the pride that might be holding you back from doing that and realize that, you know, 50% of a deal is still better than a hundred percent of no deal, right? If you have a hundred percent, like if you, if you're the, the solopreneur and have no deals, you know, you'd much rather be with a team making progress. So that's what I think. And then if you're, you know, have that, have that foresight to know that if you have this team and you're more effective together, could you do twice as many deals together than you could alone? Like through doing that, you're going to get there faster and achieve what you want. So that would be my 
biggest advice is, is find your team, get really good at, at what you can be good at and provide value to a team with, and you know, find the other people around you that you need to, to reach the level of success that you want. Got it. And any of your personal habits that are helping to be successful? Definitely my morning routine. I think that's been a big shift in my life. I've really been doing it for like the last two years, but really, really heavy on it the last year and a half. So waking up and setting the intention of my day is huge. I wake up every day and journal, write out my goals, um, some kind of exercise. I mean, it could just be like push-ups or body squats, something to get the body moving after, you know, sleeping for seven or eight hours or whatever it is. Sometimes usually six in my case. <laughs> Started doing yoga recently. That's been a, a big help part of my morning routine. And then I read for probably, probably probably 20 or 30 minutes. I just finished uh, Jim Collins, Good to Great. And I immediately went back and reread the book because it was so good. So I'm um, taking a lot of those lessons and trying to implement them into our business. And without being intentional of using that time, it's really hard to continue the growth. So for me, I, I try to get the you know personal growth, you know mindset stuff early on and just really set the intention of my day going forward. And that's been, that's been really helpful. Great, great. So any books that impacted your life and what way? Ooh, good question. I think Who Not How by Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy. Who Not How is a great book. Uh, I mentioned Good to Great, which I just read. Uh, both of those are business books that have had a, a big impact on me. Who Not How specifically thinking about, you know, I don't have to be the person to wear every hat and kind of, I am kind of right now, but as Jake and I are thinking about and talking about building the business, we don't, we're both full-time active duty Air Force. So we don't necessarily need the, the cash flow right now to live off of. So we're already talking about funneling that back into hiring the right people. And as Jim Collins talks about in Good to Great is getting the right people on the bus because you got to start with the right people, right? If, if you have the wrong people, they're going to eat away at your, you know, the culture you're trying to create, the vision you're trying to achieve. And you really got to start with the right people. So those have been two big books for me. And then on the real estate side, Multifamily Millions was a was a good one. I read that early on. And that's one of the kind of that pivotal, one of the pivotal books that taught me that I didn't have to stay a small investor for longer than I thought I needed to. I think most people think they have to like, you know, do a single family, single family, maybe a duplex, maybe another duplex, maybe a fourplex and kind of just inch their way up. I mean, I think you absolutely need the compound success of, you know, what you can achieve, you know, on the, on the smaller deals and take that success in. But if you think big right away, you can absolutely get to where you want to be in the real estate game sooner, but you just have to, to build the experience. So those are a couple books, Good to Great, Who Not How and Multifamily Millions. Awesome. Yep. So how are you giving back to community, Blake? Yeah. So we've talked about Jake and I have creating, oh, what's the term? Something it's D it's a DAF, DAF, something fun about funneling some of our company profits back into charitable causes. We haven't even identified them yet, but that's what we're thinking at thinking about at a company level is how can we, you know, build a good business that's also able to have an impact on other people's lives kind of in the, in the uh, infant stages there. But personally, I really enjoy, you know, helping new investors. I host a meetup here in, in Panama city beach. It's a free meetup. So if anybody's in the Florida panhandle, come on out, but trying to give the lessons I've learned back, you know, I, I put stuff on social media and, and YouTube as well with lessons learned and, you know, tips that I've learned and, and trying to reduce that learning curve for others, you know, no course to sell, no, no profit in it. Just genuinely enjoy having those discussions with investors and trying to help people out where I can. Yeah. Perfect. And how can listeners can connect with you, Blake? I think the best way would be on Instagram, pretty, pretty active there, uh, more so recently. And if you guys hit me up, it's at Blake J daily. So if you got questions or just want to reach out and say, Hey, or whatever, hit me up on Instagram. I'd love to connect. Awesome. And thank you, Blake. And thanks for adding value to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is fun. If you like the show, 
please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.